It's time for the Ron and Brian podcast. Get ready to fill your ears with the latest news, politics, current events, and whatever else we feel like talking about this week. And now, your hosts, Ron and Brian. All right. Good evening, everybody. It is Sunday night. It is 8 o'clock, and that means it is time for episode 270 of the Ron and Brian podcast. Brian, how are you, my friend? I'm doing swell, as I like to say, in the industry. It's an industry term, swell. Um, it's uh, it's Sunday night. It was a uh, a real fun weekend, which I'm sure we will talk about. Um, you know, it was uh, it was very nice to be able to spend quality time with you and uh, Mrs. Ron this weekend. Um, we'll we'll talk about our escapades at Yankee Stadium yesterday. Yeah for old timers day but otherwise i'm doing great all right fantastic should we uh should we just get right into it then is the question i believe we have to all right well let's start as we always do with uh drink of the drink of the week drink of the week Drink of the week, drink of the week, drink of the week, drink of the week. Brian, what are you drinking this week, my friend? You know, I've been accused of plagiarism multiple times. Uh, I had several English teachers. You know, this was before chat GPT or BVD or Belbiv DeVoe. Um, I've been accused of uh, just literally ripping people off. But I like to say that uh, imitation is the highest form of flattery. Last week, Ron, you introduced me to a concept from our friends over at... Nishamini. Uh, Nishamini. Nish, Nish, I'm Nishamini Creek Brewing. Nishamini Creek Brewing, who introduced me to the idea of Rita's beer. What so, ice. What Wuda ice. Last week, Ron, I believe you were drinking the uh, mango chutney. Uh, the just the mango, yes. Oh no, not no chutney. I thought you were no doing chutney that. in that. No chutney. This week, Ron, I am bringing to the table Rita's lemon ale. Following the success of Rita's fruit brews mango blonde ale, which is what you were drinking last week, Nishemini Creek Brewing launches the exciting flavor lemon ale. Inspired by one of the iconic flavors of Rita's Italian ice, the new Lemon Ale marks the second release in their flavor series. And it's sure to be summer's newest squeeze. Squeeze? Coming in at 5% ABV, Rita's Fruit Brews Lemon Ale is a pale golden beer brewed with two row malt, flaked oats, and a white wheat, making for a light base that allows the zesty lemon to shine through. Refreshing crisp. With a lively citrus flavor, Rita's Fruit Brews Lemon Ale is a little sweet and just a thing to beat the summer heat run. This is Rita's Lemon Ale. I'd be curious. That is the only one I've been able to find. The mango, obviously. The peach ring, I have not found. The lemon, I assume it's very much like a shandy almost. But tell me. Mm -hmm. Tell me how it is. You're going for a second sip already. Oh, it's very good. You've got the very strong lemon flavor. Very strong. But there is a sweetness there. There is a sweetness, which I very much appreciate. And not only that, I'm using my fancy Yankee Stadium coasters. 
Ron, you deserved you deserved an appropriate birthday slash housewarming gift. You um you pamper me and I don't deserve it. Ron. Yes. What are you drinking? Um, well, you may be stuck in the summer, Brian, but I have dove headfirst into fall, uh, bringing something back that we had last year. It is the Pumpkin Nitro from Southern Tier. Uh, this one, their cold brew coffee, uh, brewed and canned, obviously, by Southern Tier in Lakewood, New York. Uh, it is Imperial Pumpkin Ale with uh, coffee flavor added. Um, it's, it's canned on nitro. So uh, if I remember, this was good last year. We're going to see how good it is after sitting in the beer fridge for a year. And we're going to try that one out. Takes a sip. Still good. Still delicious. Still good. Even stronger with the coffee flavor. You kind of lose the pumpkin with all the coffee in here. This I would call this more a coffee flavored beer uh, than a pumpkin flavored beer. But still delicious. So it's still good after a year. Still good after a year, shockingly. Still uh, nitro after a year, and this mm. is a oh, this is an eight point six. So it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a fun night. Oh, I like it. I like it when you drink those high ABV beers. Yeah, yeah Daddy. Always right. makes always makes our after dark that much more fun. That's right. All right, let's keep it moving on with beef of the week. Brian, what's bothering you this week? Oh, so many things to choose from, but I would like to complain about my gym, Retro Fitness in Regal Park, Queens. Really? Have you heard of this? I called them earlier this week to cancel my membership. I do not want any more to pay $20.1999, to be exact, to pay $19.99 a month to be a member of their gym, uh, as I have recently moved, relocated into a geographic area that is, how do I say this, um, not ruined by woke prosecutors, um, the, the fair state of, uh, of New Jersey. So I called the, my gym, Retro Fitness of Rego Park, to cancel, and instead of can sitting I, there- can I, make a, can I make a quick prediction as to where this may be going? Please, feel free. You, they told you you had to go do it in person. Yes. <laughs> this apparently is a thing because uh, we were members of Crunch Fitness uh, right. a couple of years back. And uh, uh, my wife called to cancel because she go. Yeah, I'm sure you probably did the same thing. You went online figuring, oh, I'll just cancel online. Sure. No way to do it online. Not and, an option. Right. And call up and they're like, oh, we uh we need you to come in and do it in person, so that way we know it's actually you that's doing it. Apparently, Didn't even give a, me that. Apparently, there's an epidemic of people canceling other people's gym memberships. The the woman I spoke to didn't even say why. She just said that unfortunately, it's something that I am required to do in person. And I sat there and explained to them that I have moved. I am no longer in that neighborhood. Um, and that it would be incredibly inconvenient for me to travel all the way back to the um, the, the gym to cancel it, and they still said to me, um, "You have to for, for you to for, for you to cancel this. You have to come in person." And have you made it there yet? 
No, uh, I have not uh, been back to and Queens. That is exactly I do plan on going to. I do plan on going out to Queens this week. Yeah, and I, I also remember when my wife went to Crunch. They were like, "Oh, sorry, we can't process this this right now. Our our uh, our customer retention uh, manager is not here right now." Oh, and she, customer and she, retention. And she told them in the in the aggressive way that I'm sure you are familiar with. Um, that there was no need to talk to someone about retention because sure. she was canceling her membership there and then. Uh, and that they then realized that they did not want to fuck around and find out and they canceled right. the membership. But that's exactly oh, why. I, Number one, they just assume like, all right, maybe we'll squeeze another month out of these people sure. if they don't want to make it there. And then they're obviously going to give you, you know, some sort of incredible deal to uh, keep your membership there. The thing about um, the thing about retro fitness is that I believe it's a franchise model. Right. So there's absolutely what they actually here's here's the stupid part is that what she said to me is that I had a legacy membership because I joined. So I was paying less than what they charge now per month. So she wanted said, is there any you know, is there somebody that you could transfer your membership to so that they could take advantage of my great rate? Interesting. And I said, no, I'm, I moved out of the neighborhood. Right. So there's nobody. So I'm going to go in there next weekend and uh, give them a piece of my mind. <laughs> All right. As you should. As you Ron. Should. Yes, sir. What's really bothering you this week? Uh, it's, there's been a lot, Brian. There's been a lot. Um, I was thinking Xfinity possibly because I don't know if you heard the Xfinity stream app uh, went down at the start of uh, the one o'clock NFL games today. So no. there are apparently multiple people across the country. Um, that were not able to access uh, their any channels, much less football. Thankfully, um, I was able to get CBS football on Paramount Plus. So I'm going to go with, uh, with. Wait a second. Yes. So you and you watch your cable. You're paying for Xfinity cable. Uh, well, I pay for Xfinity cable because I have to bundle it. That's who I get my internet from. Sure. So you watch. So you don't have the set top box. Uh, not anymore. We watch it through the app because we have the smart then, TV and the Roku. So then at one o'clock today, the app goes down. So in theory, you were right. unable to watch, but you were able to get a workaround. But apparently I did not realize this uh, since apparently CBS apparently live streams on the Paramount Plus network. Mm -hmm. so I was able to watch uh, football there. So it was, it was okay. a trade-off. So that that appeased me. So we're going to go with Safe Light, Brian. I'm sure you've seen the jingle. Safe Light Repair. Safe, Safe Light Replace. So had a uh, a little crack in my windshield, and I was mm -hmm. like, ah, I'm like, better get that fixed before the winter rolls in. So I set up a schedule for you do it online, you know, set it up, and they tell you they're like, we're gonna try and repair it. They try and inject it with like resin, and you know, then they like shine ultraviolet light on to harden it. And they say they're like, there is a chance, albeit a small one, that this repair will fail, and your wind your windshield could be damaged more. That rarely happens. You sign something to that effect. So the guy shows up like at the very tail end of the appointment window, mm -hmm. which again, kind of a pain in the ass, but whatever, and gets to work on the car. So I'm like making my lunch. Uh, my cell phone rings. It's the safe light guy out in the driveway. And he's like, uh, yeah, so the uh, repair failed and uh, the crack got a little bit bigger. I'm like, okay. So I walk out there and this little minuscule crack, I would say, is probably a good 12 to 13 inches long now. 
just cascading across the passenger side. He's like, "Yeah, you're, oh. you're, you're gonna you're gonna need to get this uh, windshield replaced now." Like, so they yeah. so they made the crack worse in your mm-hmm. windshield. Now, here's the question: Do they are they charge are they trying to charge you for the service? They are not. They're like, we're gonna cancel this service, but uh, just you know reschedule so we we can come you know replace your entire windshield. I'm like, this feels like a work to me. This feels like you just this is how you get more money out of people. So. Now I need to get my windshield replaced. So, and are you doing that with them, or are you going to go somewhere else? I'm going to call my insurance company and say, "Hey, do, do you have somebody else you can recommend?" Yeah, apparently, I, I like, well, you know, there's a cutout for the camera. I'm like, this, this is a Jeep Compass. This is not that high tech a vehicle. I can't imagine right. there's any, there's no technology in this windshield that should make it difficult. But yeah, that's uh, that's my beef. I was uh, I was a little little salty about that. Now this has nothing to do with the shingles coming off your roof. Uh, Please don't get me started on that because uh, I'm still waiting on the project manager from the roofing company to say, and again, it's only like one, one, one shingles gone, one's loose, but like, here's the thing, right? Just, just out of professional courtesy, if someone emails you and say, Hey, even if I'm not on your schedule yet, can you give me an update? Is it not polite to just respond and say, Hey, this is where we're at. Oh, I, the, professionally, if I don't respond to you, um, to your email, um, I'm opening myself up to um, uh, giving the impression of poor customer service. And that's not something that's okay. No, it is never okay. It is never okay. Well, let's um, let's try and bring some positivity into the world. Right? Sure. Um, we have, uh, we've, uh, we talked before how we like to bring some stories of the week to the table, make sure always, that we cover always. them. Um, and you, you actually have a very uh, heartwarming story this week. Um, Mm -hmm. that you'd like to share with people. My story is going to be all the way, it's going to take us away from the great shore of New Jersey, all the way over to Minnesota, um, where uh, uh, this summer, Connor Halsa, teenager, I don't remember, I don't see in the story exactly how old he is. We're going to say, do we have a photo of him? You can put up, there you go. Look at him covering up his erection, that he's that he's um, got right now. Anyway, um, Connor was fishing with some of his friends in Lake the Lake of the Woods, which is the sixth largest freshwater lake in the United States. It's actually over seventy miles of continuous water. Also, was um, fishing with his father. Um, they were planning to uh, uh, look for walleye, which apparently is a type of fish. And while casting their lines, Connor felt something decently heavy on the other side. As he was reeling it in, he found a brown billfold, uh, opened it up, and found um, uh, a sizable amount of money. In fact, he found $2,000 in wet, soggy cash. Now, Ron, if you found a wallet filled with $2,000, what would you do with it? You know, I would, if I thought about it, um, I would say, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to box this up. I'm going to FedEx it to my friend, Brian, because for $2,000, he can get 2.3 couch dances at his local strip club. Okay. That hurts. Um, that's not what Connor did. What Connor no, did was good, open, good, right. Connor opened the wallet and found an ID driver's license, um, belonging to, um, Jim Denny, who is the man on the right, who is um, his right hand because he's an Iowa farmer 
And despite what it looks like in this photo, he has quite the fashion sense, despite those um, short overalls and very white socks. Um, anyway, Jim Denny, um, he was actually uh, fishing over uh, a year ago at that lake um, when he said he lost his wallet. Um, Connor returned the wallet and the cash to Jim Demi. Um, really just a heartwarming story. The kids should have um, kept that money and uh, you know spent it on uh, uh, drugs and hookers. Instead, returned it to Jim Demi. Just one of those really good feel-all stories of the week, Ron, where you, you just realize that there is such, you know, potential. It's, it's touching. It really is. Like, not a lot of kids these days no. uh, would have done that. Might have gone out, no. bought some Air Jordans, uh, bought some games on Steam. I believe that's mm -hmm. that's uh, topical. N Nintendo Still Switch, going. maybe. Yep. You know. Yep. Yep. Um, would have bought some vape pens. Anyway, um, Connor returned it to Jim Demi. Uh, the 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 money is exactly where it started with, and uh, I just feel great. Um, nice uplifting story lets us all know that there are um, that uh, humans are amazing uh, when given the opportunity. Ron, what's your story of the week? I'm sure you decided to go with the same uh, uh, type of story that I did. Uh, my story, Brian, it's about the Delta flight uh, that was forced to turn around and make an emergency landing after a passenger, quote, had diarrhea all the way through the plane. Uh, the Airbus A350 aircraft was two hours into a transatlantic flight. It was going from Atlanta to Barcelona. Did I pronounce that right? Barcelona. Barcelona. As Thank somebody you. Thank who you for has, um, as somebody who has spent time in Barcelona, uh, right. I would just like to say that that's the, pr the proper pronunciation. <laughs> so uh, there was uh, recordings from air traffic control that were shared on Twitter where the pilot said to air traffic control, quote, this is a biohazard issue. We've had a passenger who's had diarrhea all the way through the airplane. Uh, so they want us to come back to Atlanta. So I guess it was one of those situations of where, you know, you feel that rumbling in your belly. And uh, I guess they maybe tried to hold it a little too long. And and based on some of the photos that were posted online afterwards, mm -hmm. uh, the person literally uh, defecated probably along 20 to 25 seats up the sure. aisle uh, on the way to the bathroom. Now, I believe have we um, has the story come out whether this was a male or female? So uh, as of now, the identity uh, of the uh, passenger remains a mystery. Um, they ended up uh, having to leave that flight, uh, get onto a different plane, uh, and they made it to Barcelona by uh, 5, 10 p.m. the next day, eight hours later than scheduled. Uh, but it is not known if the passenger who had the digestive problem was aboard the plane uh, when it finally made its trip. Now, my question to you here is, how does the diarrhea get out of the person's clothing right. and cover the carpeting on the floor of the plane over the course of 20 plus rows? Like, is the person wearing a skirt with like thong underwear? Is this a, like a you woman? Know, I, I mean, because I'm, I'm again, trying to visualize a male wearing boxers, pants or shorts whatnot and not being able to contain it in the underwear as they run down the um galleyway to or galley isn't it the galley galley gully 
Yeah. Anyway, I while mean, running to the bathroom, like how does it escape the person's um, physical space? Yeah, I'm, that I'm not sure. I mean, again, you know, obviously, you know, there's it, it maybe it was just the liquid component, um, you know, running down a leg or coming out. Yeah. I mean, again, it's it's summertime. People could have been wearing shorts on the plane. I'm not 100 percent sure. Um, I mean, I would imagine um, whoever the passenger was, they had to just throw that outfit just right out. Right. I mean, I think everybody would. Have, I would hope so. Everybody would have thrown that out. Oh, no. Janelle uh, would have kept it. So, I mean, I stand corrected. Apologies. Apologies. Um, so, yeah. So that is. And the funny thing is, uh, and and if you ever want to argue that uh, that uh, Delta crews aren't paid enough, um, a team apparently got the plane uh, cleaned up and uh, the plane was reused within a day. What can you imagine like being that person? Like, listen, we've all had issues where, you know, we've 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 gone from feeling OK to sure. not feeling OK very quickly. How do you, how on earth do you handle it where literally it's coming out of you so fast and furious? It's all about family that um, that literally the diary is escaping your pants and um, and just cascading onto the floor of your airplane. I mean, this is probably one of my worst travel fears. Sure. Like that, that I would get just so violently ill that I would not be able to control one or more of my bodily functions. Have you ever shit your pants, Ron? Not since I was a, a very young boy. Okay. Like it's, it's, it's been, I'm going to say a good, you know, 45 years. 45 years. Okay. Yeah. I remember there was a time when I, post-college, when I was, I'd gone away for the weekend and I've got a thing, you know, friends, you know, people that I'm, I'm willing to, to discuss this with, which is right now everybody watching this podcast, <laughs> um, where if I'm not in a physically comfortable environment, I don't have the urge to go to the bathroom whatsoever. Really? Yeah. So if I go away for a weekend and I'm staying at somebody else's house, oh, I got and I'm you. not I got what like, I'm just never going to have to go to the bathroom that weekend. Right. Um, and then when I come home, you know, I might be that, that night or the next morning, I'll, I'll, I'll catch up for lost time, as they like to say. Um, or I remember in this instance, I was taking the subway home. I was still living with my parents. And I would say, you know the phrase where they say the, the the turtle is sticking its head out? Yeah. That was taking place while I was on the subway. Like it didn't I mean, actually I, escape the body, but you Right. There was there was some blossoming of, of and I think uh, I think we've all probably had a situation of where you've passed gas and gotten a little bit more than you expected. Not that I'm aware of. I mean, really? I, I will say this. I do wear black underwear, black boxer okay. briefs, so it, it is possible. But there are times where, you know, like I don't think there's ever been an, a time where I have um, gone to pass gas and realized that something um, solid came out. So boxer briefs, what's what's the inseam you like? Oh, uh, to me, I, 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 if possible, I would go, you know, as, uh, right above the knee. I go, I go eight inch inseam. I like, I like a little length. I don't like them. I don't like when they, uh, they, they, they cup the boys too much. 
You only go eight inch inseam, so you you like the penis to stick out a little bit. <laughs> I guess interesting. No, 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 no. I see. I would. I I go with the six inch inseam because I want my whole um, uh, uh, package to be um, secured inside. Understood. Understood. It's still secured because they're 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 form fitting, but they go a little mid thigh. I guess I feel that's a sexy look for it. But you're okay with the tip of your penis sticking out, like the the head of. <laughs> I don't, like I don't know why you assume that's happening. <laughs> because you're so if you're doing an eight inch inseam, obviously your shaft is covered, but the tip of your the head of the penis would be sticking out. So it's basically rubbing up against your shorts or pants or whatever sure. Um, sure. you're Let's wearing. Let's say that. I mean, if you want to compliment me, I guess that's a compliment. Oh, uh, you know, well, I, I did spend some quality time with Mrs. Ron yesterday, and she was quite complimentary about the size of your um, genitalia. Now we know you're telling a lot. Do we want to talk about our day yesterday? Um, I mean, we might as well. You, uh, you're teasing it a little bit so we can talk about uh, our trip up to New York City to meet up with you and your lady and uh, going to Yankee Stadium for Old Timers mm -hmm. Day yesterday. Uh, the 75th anniversary of Old Timers Day and the 25th anniversary of the 1998 World Championship Yankees team, um, it was uh, a touching, a touching ceremony. I think you would have to say. I think that it was. Um, it's it's a little bittersweet for me because I, you know, to me, Old Timers Day is um, uh, a game. You know, okay. having uh, grown up, a, a, you know, having having grown up a fan of the Yankees and just, you know, always uh, appreciating the history that this organization brings. Um, you know, the idea of Old Timers Day was the opportunity to watch the the great Yankees of the past play against each other, you know, and, you know, who could hit the ball hard, who could, you know, still run. Um, you know, obviously these players were, you know, some sometimes 20, 30 years out of the game. Uh, physically, you know, they had, you know, I want to say they had passed their peak, but that's not even funny. Um, they no longer play a game for Old Timers Day. So um, yeah. last year we went to Old Timers Day, and what they did was the players exited uh, – they, they exited um, the uh, – when their name was announced, they came out of the center field fence right. and then walked to the, um, uh, the ceremonial space between – uh, the pitching mound and second base this year, they were coming straight out of the Yankee dugout. So you didn't really get to see, you know, the players from our vantage point where we were right. seated. Um, obviously you spent, you know, you, you could see what they were doing up on the board. Uh, fortunately we were on the, uh, you know, on the floor of Yankee stadium. So we were able to, you know, actually see the people in real time. Uh, but without a game, it's not the same. Ooh, that I, you know, I was looking forward to I was looking forward to uh, to Jeter uh, taking some pitches from Whitey Ford's widow and mm -hmm. uh, just just firing one right back up the box and just seeing how, what her what her reflexes were. See, I would have liked it if she had thrown one high and inside. And Jeter, you know, just you know, just made have a dash. To chase. Yeah, I mean that would have been a game to watch. So what we had, we had Jeter there. We you had, had all uh, of 1998. Uh, Paul O'Neill, uh, Homer Bush. Homer Bush. John Wetland. Um, who else? Uh, Brocious. Gino there, Martinez. Right? Brocious. Matsui, David Brocious. Um, uh, David Charlie Lowe. Hayes. I mean, this was. Graham I mean, Lloyd. Don't get me wrong. 
last last year was uh was a great old timers day but mm-hmm. this was this was something special i mean i think that team that era like 96 to 2000 like yeah. that those players hold a special place in my heart sure um well i mean it was such it was as as a a fan of the yankees at least during our lifetimes especially with the struggles that the current in uh um incarnation uh, you could use that incantation. What's the word I'm going for here? Ron? I don't know that I would use that word. I think you were fine with incarnation. It, you know, the current incarnation of the New York Yankee. I mean, like we have watched them struggle for 14 years now since the last time they won in 2009. But back in the 1998, you knew that this was a special team. You knew that this was elite baseball. And we were able to get four World Series championships pretty much in a row. Um, obviously we didn't win them back to back to back to back, but you know, you just, you knew that you were looking at a team where, you know, there were superstars that were playing and you also knew that the B and C level players were good enough that at any opportunity, um, you know, they would be able to make the game winning play, you know, the teams that you watch now, and it's kind of the difference between a, you know, a championship team and a, um, you know, and and just everyone else is that, you know, the thing that differentiates them is that, um, you know, when one, when one player is struggling, there's somebody on that team who's going to step up. You see that a lot with the, with the Houston Astros of the last couple of years, obviously they're you know, minus the cheating, um, the Dodgers, the Braves where, you know, they have their superstars, but you know, they're, their they're, they're seven to nine batters uh, in their lineup are still capable. You felt that for those, you know, for that that decade with the Yankees back then. And 98 was really the year that, that uh, you know, popped it off. Um, some really just great legends were there. Um, special day. Um, the only downside, I would say, other than not getting a game, was that there was a massive rain delay mm. that kicked in right after the ceremonies had ended. And... Um, you know, it really hampered our ability to watch a baseball game and annoy the women that we were with. It did. Yeah. You know, I mean, they uh, they neither of them uh, appreciate uh, our love of baseball. Maybe they appreciate it. They just wish they didn't have to be there physically uh, to sure. also appreciate it. Correct. Um, so, you know, they really didn't even use the seats um, nope. that we had. Um, nope. So. You know, I mean, they they enjoyed the air conditioning. They enjoyed the free food. Uh, sure. But, you know, uh, it ended up being, what, a two hour and 40 minute rain delay, which was just it, to me, it's it was just too long. It, yeah. No, you know, any any professional event, if, if you're going to make people wait two hours, just send them home. Yeah. And then the Yankees stuck up the joint afterwards, um, losing nine to two eventually. But by the time they were um, stinking it up, you and I. And our respective ladies had moved on to to something way more fun. Yeah, we went to uh, do a little karaoke in the mm. city, which is kind of a thing we do now. We, we we're it's fun. Singers. It's a fun yeah. activity. So uh, we did karaoke for an hour and a half, and then you introduced us to a hot pot restaurant. Yes. I'd always been familiar with hot pot, never had a chance to go, and uh, it was uh, it was a very good experience. I would definitely recommend it. If you have not tried it before, 
Oh, absolutely. You get the opportunity to kind of, you know, sample a wide variety of vegetables and, you know, and meats if you want, um, boiling them in, in a variety of different soups, soup bases. Um, we went for the spicy. We did spicy. We did. Yep. It, it was odd. Was, it was, Ron. There's nothing more enjoyable than watching you eat spicy food, I have determined. Why, why would you say that? So, I was going to try and do an impersonation of what you looked like by the end of the meal, but I don't feel I have enough water in this glass to pour on my head to really uh, mirror the amount of sweat that came out of your body due to this spicy food. First off, I am a sweater. The seconds, <laughs> you know, like, like if it gets hot, it gets humid, I immediately start to perspire. Um, I also have this thing where I enjoy spicy food. So those two things combined, I literally, it was just, you could, like my entire head was just, my hair was drenched, drenched in sweat. Sweat was coming down my face. You and I had the same soup base. You were not right. sweating at all. I was not. In fact, there was one point where, you know, I put the noodles in the hot pot and I pulled the noodles out and all of the uh, peppers came out with the noodles mm -hmm. and you mix your sauces there. So I had mixed the hot chili uh, oil uh, with wasabi and just just a layer that on top yep. of the noodles and like I mean it was burning me I mean I was I, it was delicious but I was so uncomfortable from the heat in my sure. mouth but I still didn't break a sweat and meanwhile I look over and your lady is literally taking yeah you know, getting handfuls of napkins from the waiters and just wiping like this like when you know like it was almost like surgery like she's dabbing along your brow while you're still eating. It was like that. That's exactly what it was like. I can't help it. I love spicy food. My um, uh, my sweat glands do not appreciate it as anywhere near as much. But but hot damn. And then not only that, but we just literally. I mean, you couldn't have asked for a better location for that hot pot place um, because we walked out of the restaurant. Lo and behold, what do we see right across the street from us? Ferrara's Italian Bakery. Uh right there on Mulberry Street, I believe it yeah. is. Um, just listen, to me, that is, um, it's become almost a tradition for you yeah. and I um, when you come to New York, we, that we end the night at Ferrara's, just some top-notch Italian pastries. I went with the Napoleon. You went with the... I went lemon meringue tart this time. Mm -hmm. I went, it was, I usually go lobster tail, which I love, yep. but it's it's so big. That's what she said. Uh, but it's just, it's a huge pastry. Uh, right. But your your lady got uh, lobster tail. and Lady got the lobster to, tail. To and she split it with you. I'd like and to she point out. She cares. She cares about you, Ron. Listen, that, I, and I just, I love it so much. Like I probably, like I probably could have eaten an entire one, but I shouldn't have. Yeah. But it was delicious. And a nice cappuccino with that. Just, just sipping the cappuccino. I mean, it's, it's why you go to Little Italy. It's, it's one of those of traditions. So thank you again for your your hospitality. Oh, listen to me when I when when I go to Philly, when I bring the lady down to Philly, we um we always have a great time. You and your wife always know some great spots to take us to. Um, so to me, I feel a responsibility that when you guys come up to New York, I want to make sure that you guys also have a similar experience when you visit my town even though it has been ruined by woke prosecutors and an <laughs> endless stream of undocumented migrants. 
right. Well, good to know. Um, anyway, let's keep things moving along, Brian. Uh, you know what today was? Today was the first full day of the NFL season. So let's take a look back on how we did with our with our NFL yeah. locks of the yeah. week. Locks. Brian, I have to give you some kudos here. Um, you know, you you looked at some of these games out there. You looked at Baltimore uh, minus 10 versus Houston. You said nothing nothing Houston can do is going to make a difference. Nope. And uh, that was the truth. Baltimore wins 25 to 9. Um, and then you've been big on the Tua train down there in Miami. Uh, Miami was getting three points today uh, visiting the L.A. Chargers. Didn't need them. They won the damn game outright, 36-34. So you start uh, off perfect this year, continuing mm-hmm. the trend you've had for the last uh, 83 seasons, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ron, listen, to me, week one is the easiest of all the seasons. Um, you get an opportunity to spend three weeks watching preseason football. You know exactly what each team is bringing to the surface. Um, I did not find week one challenging. Sure, 2-0, um, not something that I feel necessary to brag about, especially in light of being able to say that you, sir, also went 2-0 with your picks. Listen, you we know that you live in a suburb of Philadelphia. You proudly are um, not a Philadelphia resident. You saw the Eagles laying four against the Patriots and said, you know what? Eagles are going to win definitely more than four, not much more than four. I remember you saying exactly yeah. those words last week. Eagles win by five just by one point. They cover the the bet 25 to 20 over the Patriots. You also saw the Los Angeles Rams on the road in Seattle. You said the Seahawks are not delivering. Russell Wilson is definitely no longer the quarterback of the Seattle Seahawks. Therefore, the Rams will cover. Not only did they cover getting five and a half points, they won the whole game 30 right. to 13. Ron, once again, you start off the season 2-0 and for what I believe is now the 134th time. How do you do it? Listen, like you said, it's it's like taking candy from a baby in week one. Now we get, you know, now it gets a little bit harder moving forward, but this is how it is. This is how we do well, it. Speaking of which, what do you see in your crystal ball for your locks of the week for week two of the NFL season? All right. So um, this first game, Brian, you know, I remember something you said to me once. You said, Ron, um, the only thing that Deshaun Watson beats more than sexual assault charges is division opponents. So I am taking Cleveland plus one on the road at Pittsburgh. And then I am continuing to ride that Eagles train. Philadelphia minus seven at home against the Minnesota Vikings. Brian, who do you like this week? Listen, one thing that we all watched as NFL fans was the Kansas City Chiefs struggle against the Detroit Lions in week one. And I say they continue to struggle. Um, The Jaguars are at home getting three points. Trevor Lawrence is not going to take this laying down. He's getting three points, and I say you take those three points. Jaguars over the Chiefs at home. 
also um, the New Jersey Jets. Listen, a lot of people are saying, listen, Brian, now that you are now officially a resident of New Jersey, um, you now need to accept the local teams. I say, fuck that. Fuck the Jets. Cowboys are laying three at home against the Jets. I would tell you, listen, if you want to lay 23 against the Jets, um, there is absolutely no way the Dallas does not cover. That's my locks of the week. Jaguars plus three, Cowboys minus three. Week right, two well, of the NFL season. I'm excited. I'm I'm excited to see you know how this uh, how this season plays out. If mm-hmm. we can continue uh, to remain perfect, I mean, I feel like we can. I mean, it's it's just it's it's been such a run. Um, Janelle says, of course, I mean, it it is laughable to think that we could, we could miss one. Uh, but we always say, you know, don't bet with your head, not over it. There's always that possibility that we, uh, we could be wrong, but I mean, hasn't happened yet. People have made a lot of money on this. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. Um, speaking of sexual assault, Brian, uh, Danny Masterson, former, Mm. uh, former, uh, star on that 70s show. And what else was he on? Was he on the league or it was on the ranch? Oh, he was on top of a lot of women who did not want him inside of them. Well, that too. So he uh, he was sentenced Thursday to 30 years uh, to life in prison uh, for raping two women. Uh, but I, I think the bigger outrage came when uh, character letters of support from Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis um, came to light. Uh, apparently, they had uh, apparently Masterson's family. Uh, approached the couple after the actor's conviction in May and asked them to write character letters representing the person that, quote, the person that we knew for 25 years, Kutcher said. Time out. did not think they were going to give me blowback on this. Yes. Hold on. Time out. They wrote letters of, um, uh, of character defense after he was found guilty of rape? Apparently so, yes. Oh, my gosh. I missed that whole aspect of the story. Right. I thought that these were letters that they wrote while the trial was going on and that they were basically just writing to the court that they were um, uh, uh, friends of the defendant and this was their experience in dealing with him and that they did not believe that he was capable of raping a woman. You're telling me that they, after he was found guilty Correct. of raping multiple women – yeah. That Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis decided, you know what? We are still going to align ourselves with a convicted rapist, and we're going to write letters to the court to show sympathy to the rapist. Well, I, yeah, I think you know from from their initial defense seemed to be is you know it was it was almost like they were writing these letters with the hope that he would get a lesser prison sentence, like they referenced his daughter and how, you know, his, his daughter should not grow up without a father and all this other stuff. Uh, but just tone deaf, absolutely tone deaf. I'm shocked. I'm genuinely shocked because, and, and keep in mind, I was never a fan of that 70s show. Right. Um, I don't really know all the references. I know that Wilder Valderrama basically, um, was tr- uh, basically tried to bang every Hollywood actress that he could get his hands on. I, I, I know that um, internet story. Um, but I had no idea that um, Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis decided that um, 
they were going to take their um, uh, reputation and sully it by aligning themselves with a convicted rapist. Yeah. And and now, you know, now they, they've apologized, but... No, and it, no, no, it, no. It what are they apologizing? No, no, no. Hold on. What are they apologizing for? It's so one they, thing to take a stand when you believe he's innocent, but now that he has been proven guilty and you decide to align yourself with him, you lose the ability to apologize for taking that stand. Right. So they uh, they they said, you know, they said the letters were not meant to question the legitimacy of, of the verdict or the validity of the ruling and that they support victims. Um, and yeah, I mean, uh, Ali brings up a good point. I mean, uh, Ashton Kutcher has been very heavily involved in uh, anti-sex trafficking. Mm -hmm. So it is even that more disturbing that like I get that you worked with the guy. Maybe this is a case where you sit this one out. Yeah, like maybe his, maybe his family approaches you and you're like, you know what? We're going to pass on this. Yeah, I mean, just send a private message of, you know, we're really sorry that you're going through this. We we, we hope the best for you. Right. What 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 is also interesting to see is the the Internet, I guess, lifting up Topher Grace, who played, uh, I believe, uh Jerry on uh, that '70s show. Not sure what his character name was. No, no, no. I, re I remember when he played Jerry. Yes. Yeah. So apparently, back he when would always 70s remember. Hold on, I remember he would, um, you know, on that '70s show when he was playing Jerry, um, he would do stand-up bits yeah. in between yeah, exactly. the story, and it was a lot of observational stuff, like you know, yeah. oh, I was on the plane, and you know, like Socks what's the deal the with these? That kind of stuff. What's the deal with these little peanuts? Why are we always getting peanuts? Um, uh, excuse me. And Eric Foreman. Yes, he played Eric Foreman. But what was interesting is when in, in the which in is the ironic because when he um, did his very first um, uh, adult film, he played Eric Foreskin mm, um, in the parody movie of that 70s show where it was um, that uh, 69 show. And um, and he uh, he played Eric Foreskin. Anyway, to get back to my point, not that we ever deviate from my point on this podcast. But, you know, it, it kind of came out after that 70s show went off the air that Topher Grace never really hung out with any of his co-workers. And, like, the line on him back then was, oh, he's this stuck-up actor. He doesn't associate with his, his, his co-stars and everything else. Now everyone's like, he was so fucking smart not to hang out with any of these True. people because they are all clearly horrible people. No wonder he wanted to hang out by himself. Well, Masterson is well known for being very um, vocal about his um, membership in the uh, Church of Scientology, which I know right. gets a very, um, uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? It gets a very bad reputation in terms of established religions because it's a religion that was basically started during our lifetime. So, so people our age basically see it as something that has been, you know, made up by a failed science fiction writer. Um, and we question the ability of anyone who does follow its belief system that they have any level of, um, self-intelligence. Um, Ron, where do you believe the Church of Scientology, um, what role do you think they play and, and how should they also be held accountable? I'm not quite sure. I mean, I think there's a, a million things you could say is wrong with, uh, with the church. Uh, Janelle brings Prepon. up a great point. Yeah, Laura Prepon, also a, a Scientologist uh, and silent 
to this point uh, to sure. uh, to comment on Masterson's uh, Masterson's conviction. I mean, at least you know Topher Grace, without calling anybody out, he posted on his Instagram how he stands with sexual assault victims across the world, mm. people who mm. don't have their their stories heard. I believe also um, the Ron and Brian podcast posted that we stand in support of sexual assault victims. Yes, we listen always, support. We support victims. We listen always. Uh, Brian, listen. I, 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 before you change, I mean, not yeah. to not to dwell on a subject or whatnot, but not I, mean, to, I not just to, not to hijack the podcast or anything. Listen, I just think you're an absolute scumbag. If you, <laughs> um, no, 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 no. If I thought you, you were calling just, me a scumbag just now. God no, I, I love you and worship the ground you walk on. Um, right. I just think that if you are the um, uh, perpetrator of any type of sexual violence. I just, you know, anything that you are doing um, where you are forcing your will on someone else's body um, against their will, um, right. I really believe that you deserve a, uh, you know, uh, maybe not the third level of hell, maybe the second, um, but you absolutely are an incredible piece of shit human being. Um, and, you know, you see all, you know, I don't want to come across as a, uh, you know, MAGA, uh, QAnon, you know, arguing that everybody in Hollywood is sucking the blood of babies. But um, you do see a history of men in Hollywood using um, uh, positions of power sure. um, over aspiring actresses to uh, uh, enforce their body onto them. Um, I don't know if this was the case. I don't know enough about this story. But I just feel like, um, you know, if, you know, he's been found guilty of doing this to three women and uh, that should be three life sentences in my book. And, and you can certainly feel a level of sympathy for his wife to an extent. I mean, definitely sympathy for his daughter. I mean, you know, she she doesn't get to choose who her parents are. Sure. Um, but that but that doesn't that doesn't defer from the trauma that he has caused. I sure. mean, because, again, he was only he was only convicted for two women. Odds are there are more women out there that he assaulted sure, um, that, sure. he, that he hasn't faced charges on. So. There's there. There is a formula that has been um, published. I'm not familiar with it. I apologize um, for not where they say the number of rapes that are reported um, as a percentage of overall actual sexual assaults. Um, I, I think it's like 10 percent. Right. You know, I off the top of my head, it's just, you know, so if he if he was found guilty of doing this twice, he probably did this um, uh, 20 times yep. uh, where he basically used his position as an actor and his position, uh, uh, you know, as a Scientologist, because the stories that I've heard were that all the three women that he was on trial for were all also Scientologists. Mm. So he used he used the church angle more than the fame angle. I believe so. But, um, you know, getting back to the story that we started with, um, I am genuinely shocked that Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis decided to use their platform um, and their voice to defend him after having been convicted of raping two women. Yeah, very disappointing. You know what? I'm going to tell you this, Ron. I'm going to go um, and burn my punked DVDs, seasons one and two box sets that I have. Um, Old I Don't will not watch them ever friend. again. I will right. watch them never again. And uh, well, also, uh, uh, my 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 uh, what is it? Ted, Ted one and two. Oh yeah, true. Mila Kunis was in in the Ted movies. Yeah, burning burning those DVDs. Also, we will have a bonfire here in West New York um, Thursday night. 
at uh, 1122 where I will, I will be burning those four DVDs. Speaking of that, Brian, it's a good thing that you have moved out of New York City to a safer location because all signs right now are pointing to a rise in COVID uh, as sure. we head into the fall. Uh, COVID hospitalizations, deaths, and wastewater data um, is pointing to, uh, to high numbers of, uh, of COVID as we head into the end of the year. So I know you have often talked about you know, refrigerated trucks and forklifts yep. and things of that nature. Forklifts carrying out body bags, um, yes. You know, individual cases are becoming more difficult to track. But again, you look at the week ending August 26th, uh, there were just over 17,400 people hospitalized with COVID, up nearly 16% from the previous week. Uh, emergency room visits are up 2.3%. Um, and then the wastewater samples are also showing an increase um, from a wastewater scan, which monitors 171 wastewater treatment sites mm -hmm. in 34 states. Uh, but coming to the rescue, Brian, much like they did at the beginning of the pandemic, is the gold standard. Um, our good friends at Moderna uh, says that their new COVID booster works against the highly mutated BA. 286 variant um it has not uh that variant has not uh captured a lot of ground in the u.s yet mm -hmm. but has mm -hmm. raised uh, alarm uh, amongst experts because of the high level of uh, high number of mutations that it has of course the gold standard is Moderna yeah. run um the thing listen a couple months ago i would be sitting there saying that we need to listen to the data you know, okay. um, COVID cases are increasing, hospitalizations are increasing. Um, but the thing that we need to remind ourselves is to look at the number of cases. Look at the data. What is science yeah. telling you? Yes, COVID is on the upswing. However, um, you know, you compare it to some of the previous um, versions of COVID that floated around. Look at the numbers of cases that were happening uh, back in April of 2020. Look at the cases during that 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 second wave of COVID was as it took over the southern parts of the United States and the West um, during the summer and early fall of 2020. Um, look at the Omicron variant that ravaged America during the winter of 2021. Um, those are, you know, the, the COVID versions that we were, that were so damaging to the country. Um, however, you look at the caseloads that are happening now, so relatively few in comparison to um, previous waves of COVID. So I would, you know, two months ago, I would have sat there and said, listen, um, it's concerning, um, monitor the data and um, listen to your government and um, uh, uh, the scientists in terms of uh, changes in behavior that they are going to be suggesting. Now that I'm living in New Jersey, um, things are a little bit different, Ron. Yeah, right now, I'm going to I'm going to sit there and say, um, and the, the stance I'm currently taking is it's only a matter of time before the woke prosecutors are going to start locking up um, Americans for not wearing masks in you know while walking in public. 
Um, it is only a matter of time before they start stealing our freedoms again. This is once again Joe Biden and Kamala Harris in the White House, who are sitting there seeing another election, you know, for for the White House approaching us in 2024. They're going to start shutting down America again so that we, instead of being able to go vote for the political candidates they want to, they're going to lock us up in our homes, um, close down our businesses just so that they can encourage the mail mail-in votes of, um, you know, you know, illegal immigrants that um, they're giving the vote. So I, I received word from the uh, CDC that I was I needed to cut you off. And I encourage that. I encourage that <laughs> level of censorship in our podcast. What else do we have going on, Ron? Well, we've got one of our more popular segments that uh, has uh, we brought onto the show over the last few months called But the Drag Queens Are the Problem. Um, everyone, every week you see the concern that people have about drag queens in our schools and our libraries, things of that nature. So obviously uh, we attempt to find stories of drag queens um, uh, doing bad things to kids. And uh, this week, nope, this is a it's a U.S. teacher, Brian, a U.S. teacher and TikTok. We never star. have teachers. Teachers are never the problem. Luke Rockwell. um, he is uh, accused in Thailand of having sex with a teenager. Uh, he was arrested last Saturday in the Thai capital of Bangkok um, after allegedly having sex with a 16-year-old girl uh, he met online. Uh, the girl's family said he apparently passed on sexually transmitted diseases that caused her to become unwell. Um, he is currently out on bail. Um, and we are waiting to hear when he will be going to uh, to court on that. Um, the Thai criminal code actually sets the age of consent at 15, but it is a criminal offense to, quote, take away someone who is over 15, but under 18 and conduct indecent acts outside of marriage. Um, that offense uh, carries a maximum sentence of five years in jail and a fine of what equates to 200 and $80 US. Listen, I've, um, listen, we, we've discussed it previously. Um, you know, it's, you know, we need to protect the children, Ron, and we need to go. To oh. The children need to be defended. All right. Uh, we got kind of an international uh, going here. That one was Thailand. Now we are going to Australia, where an Australian high school teacher who confessed to having sex with a 16-year-old student uh, was allowed to avoid jail time and walk three. Uh, Monique Ooms, age 31, was seen crying at the Court of Appeals in Melbourne after a panel upheld a ruling to only give her 300 hours of community service after she pled guilty to four counts of sexually penetrating a minor under her care or supervision. Interesting. Um, prosecutors had appealed the original ruling in March, claiming Ooms deserved serious jail time for abusing her position as a teacher at the Sale Secondary College. Um, however, um, she, uh, she is not going to jail. Uh, they said her defense was, this was her defense, Brian. 
Her defense was that she was depressed about her alleged infertility uh, when she had sex with the boy. However, she then showed up uh, at her sentencing in July uh, pregnant. So, listen, I'm going to say that, you know, one of the problems that we've, um, you know, as people who are uh, very strong um, in terms of our, 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 you know, our defense of, you know, the, um, the need to protect our children. We have said that teachers um, across the board have, um, you know, uh, abused their, their, their place of privilege in terms of, uh, you, know, um, you know, having sex with children. This is something that needs to stop. Um, and, and it feels like there is such a double standard in terms of the way the court system reacts to a female, a young, um, you know, uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? A young, uh, uh, sexy teacher who is in her early 20s who's having sex with a male student. It's unacceptable. Well, and, and listen to this. So she began to message a 16-year-old boy after seeing that he was going through personal issues. So she basically uh, was a predator. And started to send him pictures of herself in her underwear uh, before they eventually had sex for the first time in July 2022. Absolutely awful. Just uh, just disturbing in general. And I think we have one more story. Uh, This is a twofer. Not only uh, is it uh, a school teacher, but it is a Christian school teacher. Brian, Mm. I thought the Christians were here to save us all. Of course, they're here to, to make everything okay. I don't understand. Apparently, Christians are not the problem, Ron. So this is Crystal Frost, uh, age 35, a mother, a married mother of three. Uh, she resigned last month from Crenshaw Christian Academy, ironically known as the home of the Cougars, um, as, uh, as she was accused of having sex with two teenage boys uh, who had both been her students um she apparently sent an obscene future uh, obscene photo to a student she got caught for that um and then apparently the school received an anonymous tip um that this 15 year old student had a nude breast photo of the math teacher on his phone not resigned she resigned the next day um so she has been charged with hold on let me see here Oh, she just there, there's a, there was a lot of sex going on as I read through um, this story. Just really? praying on just praying on these kids by sending these. First of all, I don't Quite get like she, hold on. First off, can we commend her on that jawline? I mean, that <laughs> is a strong, impressive jawline. That's a jawline that um, you know you could you could really cut cinder blocks with. I don't understand why teachers have kids cell phone numbers or they're able to connect on snapchat like i feel i don't know i feel like there should be i I don't know how to control that but it it feels wrong to me that a teacher has a a a student's cell phone number and can text and do all this stuff well there should be a policy within the school system the board of education that says that there should be no interaction between um, school employees, regardless of the role that they play in the school, whether they are teachers or nurses or administrators, um, in terms of interacting via social media with the students that attend that school. Right. That so, to me just seems like common sense 
period. So she apparently confessed during a police interview and she is charged with traveling to meet a child for an unlawful sex act, electronic solicitation of a child, two counts of a school employee engaging in a sex act, and two counts of a school uh, employee distributing obscene material to a student. Um, I mean, Janelle brings up a good point. She had a biology teacher in high school that gave out his home phone number to all his students if they had questions about homework yeah. and exams. But there are there are so many apps and platforms available these days that mm-hmm. that teachers can communicate to students in a much more, I guess, trackable, secure way. That seems sure. safer to me because obviously uh, we have an epidemic in this country of, of teachers having sex with their students. It's just, yeah. I mean, to me, there, like you said, there's absolutely no excuse, no, re- no valid reason why a teacher is sitting there um, uh, communicating to a student via uh, Snapchat. There you go. Uh, so, Brian, uh, we have had yet another successful return uh, from our uh, our mm-hmm. vacation. Uh, this is mm-hmm. show number two coming back. Uh, we will, in just a little while, be doing our After Dark. If you are not of part are. of our Patreon, now is the time to join folks. Go to ronandbrianpodcast.com, click in the upper right-hand corner, um, and you can join. I mean, as little as $5 a month. But for $10 a month, you get access to the live broadcast that we'll be doing at 9.30. Um, You can get various great swag that is available. Um, And Mm -hmm. it's just, you know, we do do some of the saucier stories um, that uh, don't always make the cut for the main episode. So it it is a good time. And uh, we will be doing that in just 25 minutes. Brian is showing off the belt. He is the champion. I mean, obviously, you know, we will now. We're what? We're five months away from the Super Bowl, just about. Yep. And we will once again be wagering to see who will hold the 51% title belt for the upcoming year. I, I'm hopeful to regain my championship. But. There is a lot of football still to be played. Damn right. People, if you're not part of our Patreon, please. It is not only a way to get yourself some extra bonus content. If you like what you are hearing now, just imagine what Ron and I can can, can accomplish when the shackles of YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch are taken off and we get the freedom to discuss exactly what we want over on Patreon. It's behind the paywall. But not only is it a way for you to get bonus content, but it is also a way for you to help Ron and I um, offset some of the costs. You know, people are always reaching out to us saying, listen, we want to support the show. How we can we invest. do it? We want to invest. We want to yeah. help build the infrastructure that you have as part of the Ron and Brian podcast. And what we say regularly is, you know what? Join the Patreon. Yep. Um, sign up as little as $5 per, uh, a month. Um, I believe there is a $1,000 a month tier, the, um, the, the Tiffany level. Um, and that involves me uh, uh, showing up to your house to shave your generals um, bi-weekly. Um, it's, it's a service we offer, you know, um, the Tiffany level of our uh, Patreon. So uh, listen, we're starting it live in 23 minutes. If you're watching the show right now, you've got 23 minutes to go over to Patreon. Ron, run that banner again once more. Um, so people more know 
um, exactly how to you go to our website, ronandbryanpodcast.com, click in the link on the upper right-hand corner that says become a patron. Um, if you're not already on the platform on Patreon, you register. Um, if you're currently already active on the website, click and um, uh, support the show. All right. Well, thanks again for joining us for the Ron and Brian podcast. Brian, anything additional before we head on out of here? Nothing that I want to say outside of the paywall. All right. Patreon subscribers, we will talk to you shortly. Everyone else, we will see you next week. Thank you for joining us on the Ron and Brian podcast. We're live each week on YouTube. Facebook, and Twitch. You can find prior episodes, links to our social media, and everything else Ron and Brian at ronandbrianpodcast.com. See you again next week. <laughs>